Welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's uh, midweek here in Melbourne and on the other end of the line, I've got our guy. We've missed him for a few weeks, but he's back. Our guy, Rocket. There can only be one Rocket and there can only be one theme tune that we bring Rocket in on. Rocket, my man, how are you there, son? You're well? Oh, I'm very good, Roscoe. Very good. It's a little bit uh, humid here in Melbourne town uh, today, so I'm just sipping on a nice Schweppes lemon lime bitters. Schweppes, Schweppes Oh, really? And I'm going to, I'll try and shill for any, anyone, you know that. <laughs> well, uh, I might actually have uh, a sample, and the boys are very kind, uh, but they, they did leave... They did leave a couple of stubbies behind at the, uh, the golf venue for uh, us to try Rocket. So uh, <gasps> one of those will the come. The Leishman? Uh, yes, the Leishman Lager, yes. Uh, a couple of stubbies. I, I think they must have missed the, the the podcast where we were talking sort of slabs as the currency. Slabs as the currency. You know, the mower man is getting a lot of coverage uh, and we are planning to dedicate YouTube footage um, segments to, you know, the entire art of mowing the rocket lawn in honour of the leash. So I think they just missed that part where, where, where they were talking bottles, we were talking slabs. But anyway, I'm sure we can get back to that, but I've got a couple of leashman lagers. Lost before. in translation. Yes, mate. Unbelievable. Um, but uh, very, very good to have you back on board. And uh, as I said, it's been a couple of weeks, so we've got a little bit to cover off. Just summary of information uh, from you. You're the tour guy. You are the man on the ground uh, turning turfing through uh, – the Twitter spheres, the Foxtel spheres, uh, anything to do with golf, we've got a little bit to cover. Uh, a couple of things have happened in the last few weeks that we should cover off. Uh, one of the things that's very pertinent to us because we're going to an event which is built around this topic on the weekend, you and I, Rocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Can't wait. Yeah, it's the RNA USGA distance report that was released. And I think, surprise, surprise, there's no no – well, no surprise, surprise is more, more relevant. Um, we'll talk about that. What else will we talk about? Rocket, we'll, we'll just cover off a bit of the Vic Open. We'll cover of off... World uh, Golf. Yeah, World bit Golf. Of Vic Open. I have some oh. questions to uh, ask about the Vic Open. Okay. Um, we can cover that. Cause the World Golf Tour as yeah. well. So let's let's go back a couple of weeks. So we've had the European Tour, if we stick with the European Tour for a minute. We had that uh, desert swing. Where did we go? We had uh, Dubai. Well, we had our man Lucas Herbert win his first ever European Tour event. It was a fantastic win for the young man. He's very close to our hearts because you know he's in the stable of athletes that are under the wing of our mental master himself, Jamie Glazier. So we got a good little insight into the world of Lucas Herbert through Jamie, and um, I had a good hour on the phone with Lucas and Jamie a couple of, last week or so after Lucas's win, and he was. Obviously, very, 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 very stoked. But just to sit there and chat on the phone about his win in Dubai, it was just a really good insight into the man that is Lucas Herbert. I think it's pretty easy to say it's, he's fairly laconic in his approach, and that was the tenure of the the discussion. If you have tuned into that on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, I thank you. But I do, and again, apologise for the audio quality on that recording. Lucas, he was in preparation for the Abu Dhabi event the preceding week. 
and he'd been on the been on the range and doing his drills, and he couldn't come and talk to us until he'd finished and completed his uh, putting drill. So you know, it's one of those things, just like you and me, Rocket. You know, we don't go home until we've sunk the fifty putts. Well, Lucas That's wasn't it. Lucas was not taking uh, his mental performance coach's call until he had sunk his fifty putts worth of uh, f- footage. So what happened was he we, he was in obviously Abu Dhabi, probably not the greatest phone reception uh, in the hut that he was in. But he didn't have his headphones, so he was hands-free because he, yeah. go- he wasn't going to talk on his uh, handset by his ear uh, for an hour, so he was hands-free, and it just didn't didn't record very well. And as amateur as I am on the uh, recording enhancement software, I couldn't fix it any better than what we got. But if you do <laughs> listen to that, if you do want to go back and listen to that and listen to it with headphones on because you can hear it and it is a – it is a good chat because Lucas does give some really, really, really good insights into the work that he does with our friend Jamie and the benefits of you know, his whole approach to the mental game and how that helped him get to where he got to in, in, in the playoff, uh, overcoming a little bit of adversity in the first playoff hole and, uh, and how he bounced back from, from that to then ultimately take the win. So it's a good listen, but you do have to listen to it in a very quiet space with headphones on and persist with the, the early part, get through to the end because the, the audio does get a bit better. But anyway, Lucas Herbert won his first uh, win at the Amiga Dubai Desert Classic. Um, my friends at the uh, Playing Out Sideways podcast, and I, uh, whether they listen to this or not, Rocket, I'm going to co- correct them. They called it. They called him Lucas Herbet. And I think they were referring oh, to the Frenchman. There's, a, there's like, a few There's a f- yeah. Yeah, There's a few of the other guys that I listen to. They butchered it as well. Herbert, mate. Uh, how how hard can it get, boys? Herbert. Herbie. Yeah. The Herb Meister. Herb Dog. Herbert, <laughs> mate. Exactly. So uh, that was good. And uh, what else happened after that? So we had the uh, event in Abu Dhabi. Is that the one oh, where GMAC, the, uh, my, my boy, my boy GMAC won? Yeah, he won that one. Um, I think Phil finished, so lefty finished third. Mm. So cashed into more ca- more money. Um, that's around the time the distance report came out. All the stuff came out about the World Golf Tour. It's good to see GMAC back in the winning circle. I, I was uh, I was glued to that because it, right is in in my uh, realignment of circadian rhythm time zone uh, <laughs> that, that event, <laughs> and uh, I was up till whatever time it was one o'clock watching GMAC and I I do love GMAC and I will again and I have done before rib him for his very poor imitation of a Northern Irish accent which is now guised as a Southern American accent it was it's almost laughable. It is what it is, but uh, he was sitting there talking about the wind. You know, have, I've got a bit of hurt. Yeah, oh, there's a bit more hurt coming. Yeah, I can feel double hurt. He was talking about the wind, and he was talking about it in hurt factor, and uh, it made me laugh. But um, good on you, GMAC. It was a good win. It was a good win for the old fellas. And there's been a few 40, 40-odd-year-olds doing pretty well this year, Rocket, and I'm all about the plus 40s doing well in golf. You probably Oh, yeah, Absolutely. You probably know Pit Rocket. Bombs I, attacking pins. You, uh, you probably know Rocket. I sit on that side of the ledger, and uh, so any of the boys that are with the four in the front, uh, I am right on their toot toot train in terms of performance. <laughs> so we've had Lethal Lethal Lee, uh, we've had GMAC, and then um, and the other one which we'll get to when we talk about Vic Open, and another chap that's very very close to our hearts is uh, our very own Fraze, and his performance at the Vic Open was just sensational. So, um, yeah, anyway, I've probably stolen your thunder there, 
uh, Rocket. I guess I've talked about the European Tour and just a little quick summary. The part about the European Tour and the Abu Dhabi event is, you know, I know it's just, you know, Middle Eastern money and, and that's basically all it is. They go to the economic city or whatever it's called and I'm sure in years to come when there is, you know, actual humans living in that part of town uh, that it'll be fabulous. Yeah, it'll be another Dubai and whatever, but right now, you know, there are 10, 10 expats and a couple of blowflies going to watch it on this obscure-looking course in the middle of the desert. And I'm sure it's a fine course, and the boys say it's all pretty. It's a bit tough, and it's all a bit new, and it's all a bit different. But you know, surely, sure, is that the best thing for the game, Rocket? Is that the best look for the European Tour to be showcasing? this game that we love, the game that is the marketing V8 engine of the game of golf that we all love, some of us make a living out of, is that the best look for it? Uh, how about we say that answer mm-hmm. for the uh, World Golf Tour component? Okay. Because okay. there's some elements to that which are kind of tied to yep. golf in the Middle East. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago uh, that news broke about about the breakaway group of the Saudi money um, or the Middle Eastern money. I think it was the Saudis, if I'm not mistaken, wanting to put together a breakaway group and a splinter a splinter tour to compete against, uh, I think, both the European and the PGA tours. So we'll get to that. Uh, what else has happened? We had um, what do we have? The waste management. The waste management. Yeah. Party party hole party hole went off again. People got drunk. Um, yep. The waste that opened. The waste that opened. A few funny videos <laughs> coming out of people falling over drunk again. Crazy scenes. Yeah. Crazy scenes at dark o'clock with people racing in to try and get their spots. Great. I, I, I think that it's a good. It's a controversial. The party hole. Let's talk about the party hole for a second. The waste management. It's a controversial thing. It is what it is. That's where they do it. It's only at that tour stop that they it, do that. But it's to, it that whole hole and that whole concept in that section that has organically grown into what it is today over the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Good. And, and, and the, it's actually helped the event. Well, it's a good right? thing. It's, helped, it's, it's a good helped thing. the event, right? Well, there's a lot of people out there that that go, "Is it good for the game?" You know, and they get on the you – know, and, and they're entitled to their opinion about, you know, the traditions of the game and stuff like that, etc. But for a spectacle, for an event, and actually just purely for, um, you know, word of mouth, um, it was spoken about the context of this, and this came from the shotgun start. Andy Johnson talking about when he went there and he's in a cab and they, he said, what are you here for? He said, oh, golf. And the cab driver knew nothing about golf, but he knew about the Phoenix Open because of the party hole. Would Probably wouldn't even know anything else about golf, but wanted to talk about, you know, do you, you're going to this event. Are you going to sit on this hole? What do you think? All this sort of stuff. So just the atmosphere and the other things around it have created a buzz for non-golf people, um, which is probably really good for the community and it's also helps the event stabilize it because as we all know um the uh the death star being ponte vedra uh home of the pga tour 
they're quite accustomed to torpedoing traditional events and events that have propped up the PGA Tour for the last 20, 30, 50, 100 years. We've seen plenty of events get pushed to the wayside because of other things they do, you know, the Byron Nelson, the Colonial, which used to be these massive events and mainstays, are getting pigeonholed um, because of these rubbish WGC events that might be in um, Memphis or it could be in Mexico or they could be in the Galapagos Islands for the next, you know, the next um, iteration of it. So good on the Phoenix Open for doing what they're doing. Oh, look, it's not everyone's taste, but it's it's overall good for the game. They're not hurting anyone, and it's just creating a buzz. So I'm okay with it. So let's just talk about the result of that because it was an interesting one. My guy, well, he's not really my guy. I've, I've potted him along the way because – but my hat goes off to him because he – he keeps bobbing up every couple of years and getting a PGA Tour win. The web, the web, web dot com, Web Simpson. Have you got a name oh, for? Look, have, have you got a name for Web Simpson? By the way. Uh, if you don't, can you get one? Because uh, I think he deserves it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think of one because yeah. you know, uh, and you know, I've talked about him saying he's just a really good, solid, all around player. Mm-hmm. Some of the things he said regarding the. Um, the distance report that came out, um, you know, all the credits that he had in my bank, Ellie just got expelled just reading what he what he said about it. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he was just thereabouts all week. Tony Finau was leading. Tony kind of choked a little bit. And Webb Birdie, I can't remember if it was the last three or last two of regulation. Um, Finau misses a short one, or reasonable one on 18 to you know, fall into a playoff, and Simpson goes out and birdies. I think the first playoff hole to take out the win, another mm. win chalked yeah. up for Webb Simpson. He's I, just a good, just a good iron player, yeah. good all around player. Weird swing, all that sort of stuff. But you know, let's let's not forget, he's the poor chap that had to play with um, with, with <laughs> um, you know, Stand Bucket. Yeah. He got. He had to put up with him. He was a babysitter, the babysitter, yeah. the minder. Every every Ryder Cup or or Presidents Cup, if there's that one player that is that absolute spud that no one else wants to play with, Webb Simpson is the guy that goes, "Yeah, I'll do it." <laughs> Harsh calling him a spud. Um, now, did you feel? Did you shed a tear? Did you have any feeling? For uh, Tony Fino. No. Okay. Failing to capitalise, what, he's had one win on tour in five or six years, thereabouts. Just uh, had a He's just really consistent. And it's one of those things where he's probably just going to keep knocking on the door and he might – it could be one of those things where he – he can somehow crack it because it's it's going to be mental. So maybe he needs to put a call into Jamie. Um, if he cracks it, and if he's near the lead or has the lead, and he and he actually finishes one off, because he's been thereabouts for a very 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 long time. If he cracks it with one, he might be that sort of person that goes on a bit of a run and and 
wins three out of his next ten after that. Because mm. he's, 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 he's always there about. Yeah, well, I felt for him because, uh, you know, to miss that putt on the last and it's that, you know, there's some players that are just going to walk up to that, see it, roll it and get it a larger percentage of the time and he's not that guy and to have that putt of that distance to win, the odds were stacked against him, I think, but uh, he just needs to work on that part of his game and uh, he'll get one and, as you say, it might be uh, the uncorking that might... Uh, hey. Open he needs to see gate. Jamie and probably do some practice on two-ball worst ball. Well, I was with Jamie today, and um, he does have a spot at Royal Melbourne at 1 o'clock on Friday. Just, uh, if, if Tony, if you are listening, um, yeah, Jamie glazier has got a spot at 1 o'clock on Friday at uh, Royal Melbourne. So if you want to book in, just give, hit him up, hit me up. I'll, I'll put you in touch just with him. Just jump on QF94, 14-hour <laughs> flight. Oh, dear. It's, Go see Jamie. It's late. Uh, we record these, and it is usually late. You know, Rocket has put the triplets to uh, he's he's read them their bedtime stories. He's uh, chased them all around the house. He's played the multitude of different games that they all want to play to, you know, feign interest in going to sleep. He's done that. Uh, he's done his house chores, and it is quite late. So if we do get a little bit flippant, a bit loose, it's not because we've had too many Leishman lagers. Because um, we only had two two stubbies of those, and and I don't even drink. Um, it's just because it's late. Hopefully, you're bringing those on Sunday. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. So, so, I, so I can collect and uh, and prepare myself for a proper review. Yeah, no problems. No, you will get the you will get your two stubbies on Sunday. Tony Finnett. So there is one thing that I will talk about because uh, you know I released the um, podcast with Tom Carroll last week on the new TaylorMade Sim range, which has gone down a treat. If you do want to learn a little bit about the Sim driver iron fairway hybrid um, family. Tune into that one because it's a good one. Tommy Carroll gives uh, – he's like the second in charge of TaylorMade in Australia, so great guy, gave us a lot of, lot of his time, told a couple of stories about his time on the Euro Tour, um, you know, stolen cars and all of that sort of thing. So if you haven't listened to it, please do. I can I can review it if he wants. Yeah, no, no. I, well, I've got one in the car. I've, I, if you turned up for a <laughs> – you can't turn up for a game of golf anymore midweek because uh, – well, maybe you can. I don't know. If your new employer is listening to this, Rocket, Rocket doesn't turn up to golf midweek. He's in the office and he's working, all right? He never turns up for a, a Wednesday wellness game. But I, I do have one uh, in my car at the moment, uh, Rocket, by the way. That's the Sim 9, 9-degree driver. Uh, but there is one thing that I noticed, and uh, this is some of the other podcasts that sort of talk about results. We'll talk about results, but I want to talk about a bit of gear at the moment. And I think both Webb Simpson, definitely, and I think Tony Finau, we're using arm lock putters. Using what? Arm lock, you know, arm lock. Like what Webb Simpson uses, you know, it locks against your left side of your arm, so you are allowed to anchor it and hold it on the left side of your arm. You, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about arm lock putter. So they have about six degrees of loft, and it's a very big forward press, and it's about a 38 to sort of 40-inch putter, and you basically, hin- not hinge it, but you press it up against your left forearm, and the action is a like basically a shoulder turn extension, and the putter is attached to your left forearm. It's called an arm lock putter rocket. Finau, DeChambeau, it's what Bryson DeChambeau uses. Um, oh. Web. Oh, everyone should jump on board if Bryson's using it. Well, everybody is, Rocket, because I reckon I counted down at the Vic Open on the weekend about 20 players using 
an Armok putter. And yeah. how many of them are winning tournaments? Yeah, okay. But you know, I'm just saying, I'm just talking about gear and um, I'm noti- <laughs> I'm noticing that there's more more Armlock putters on tour. And I'm probably talking about it because what it's made me do is when I go to the putting green, there's a little Bednardi putter there that's uh, an Armlock putter and I just find myself rolling a few down the uh, the well putt putting mat, uh, courtesy of Clint Rice at Golf Performance Store. Um I find myself looking at the, the the arm lock, and I just thought you might have had an opinion on that rocket, but clearly, clearly not. And uh, you're still very much. I've, on I've the... had, I've had a total of three putters in my lifetime. Yeah, okay. Well, I've I've ticked that off this year, and we're only six. <laughs> we're only six six weeks into this year. <laughs> okay. I, I have a particular view about putting on on thy greens, and uh, less is more. Okay, well, don't tell a guy. Less is more. Don't Jamie tell... is probably getting excited, rubbing his hands together, hearing me say, less is more. Don't tell a guy who owns a golf shop less is more and when it comes to golf equipment, Rocket, please. All right, that's enough of that from you. No, no you... they just need – everyone needs to go and buy a Scotty Cameron from a golf shop. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, no, it's a good point. I just uh, – look, it was just a little fun fact. I thought I'd bring that to the table. That I noticed a lot of Armlock putters when I was down at uh, Vic Open uh, Pro-Am on last Wednesday. I did, did have a little look around and I saw a lot of Armlock putters. So we had the Vic Open last weekend. What an event. So we had the con- – and, and we had the contrast of the waste management that we just talked about and, and what that does and how they uniquely position that tournament to – increase fan participation and, and engagement. And then we flip that over to the Vic Open, which is, as you know, European Tour, LPGA, Australasian Tour co-sanctioned event. So a fairly significant uh, cachet of uh, prize money, equal prize money for the, the guys and the girls. But kudos, the, kudos to the Victorian government because it's just genius. Yeah. So, and as you know, as you know, the event is girls and guys playing on the 36-hole course, so they swap over courses. And you know what? The atmosphere down there was absolutely fantastic, even on the Pro-Am Day. So it's just corporates and hangers-on like me milling around, but there's all the other associated people gathering. There's a lot of people out there walking around because, you know, you can get even extra close to the the pros and all the best pros are playing in the Pro-Am across two courses, all the girl pros all the leading guy pros are playing. So there's a lot of people out there walking and just having a chat with the guys playing. Well, that's the other thing, right? You, people can walk to, they'll walk in the fairways and stuff like that. So yeah. They're getting reasonably close to some decent players, that, um, some world-class players. No ropes. At the same time being European tour sanctioned, meaning it gets a good broadcast time. So you know, some of the, the US podcasts that I listen to, mm. they're talking about the event and even um, – some of the scores and stuff like that. So they were actually watching it and they were, you know, referring to it almost like as their event of the week. Mm. So exposure-wise for Australia again, but also unique concept that piques the interest of a lot of people. It makes a lot of sense. So unfortunately, I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I think I spent more time washing, washing Mrs. Rocket's car. This is a little bit dirty. And uh, doing a little bit of maintenance on uh, the uh, fairways of uh, Country Club uh, at uh, Rocket House. Mm. Well, 
I watched it sporadically between work and um, we had an event on Sunday night. So, but I, I was late to the event because I wanted to win. Uh, sorry, I wanted to win. I wanted to watch Min Woo Lee win, and uh, win he did in. Now, yes, go on. Now, now I do have I have posed a question, and there are a few listeners that uh, have seen me pose the question on the Twitter sphere. There's a small correlation with the current running form of the people who win the Victorian Open and their Pro-Am partner. No, no. I know where you go. What is, Roscoe, what is your secret source? Can you reveal it? Is it saleable (laughs) at all? And can it be bought by other professionals? Because there are two people that have won the Vic Open the last no, two no, years. No, 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 only one, per, only been... one person. Only one person, George. George didn't win the Vic Open. He went on to win in Europe. So that was – so just to fill in the blanks here for everyone listening and Rocket, thanks for asking. I'm a very humble guy. I'm, I'm a bit – I'm sitting here embarrassed actually, but, yeah, okay, I'll tell the story. So what you're referring to, Rocket, is last year when I played in the Vic Open Pro-Am, Courtesy. Oh, this is where I got confused. Courtesy. Apologies. However, Cur- the secret source still exists. Yes, yes. No, there is some. I don't know what the source is, but it is you know, it is hashtag available. Um, so last year I played in the Vic Open Pro-Am with uh, courtesy of Cobra Puma Golf, and thank you very much because it was a great experience. We played with we played with Jorge Campillo. Now, who David Schwartz, when I was talking to David Schwartz the other night, referred to as George Campbell. But uh, let's just continue with Jorge Campillo. Now, Jorge didn't really give us a lot. Didn't, uh, and I've talked about this in the podcast, and I put a bit of a hashtag Campillo watch, and I put a hashtag unlucky. Anytime I saw him miss a putt when I was staying up to in the uh, circadian rhythm realignment tour, uh, when he missed, I'd video it, and I'd put it out on uh, Instagram and say unlucky because all he said to me all day, three words were unlucky in this deep Spanish accent, you know, when I missed a putt, which is frequent, oh, Ross, unlucky. So that became a bit of a running joke last year for me. George, uh, Jorge, <laughs> Jorge gave us nothing. He didn't stay for the, the, the dinner and the presentations and all of the uh, pomp and circumstance that goes on around that, and it's a fabulous thing because you've got all these pros and all these people in the room, you know, 36 holes worth of pros. He didn't stay. He went, he buggered off with his uh, caddy Borja. So it wasn't a great experience it was good to do that and good to see him play but it wasn't a great experience because we were just basically like three mates playing our own match and he was over there hitting his own ball so long story short is george went on to win on the european tour subsequent to his appearance with me alongside me in the vic open pro-am so roll forward to december last year where i get another Mm -hmm. Pro-Am gun for hire call-up, uh, courtesy of uh, Bushnell, um, at the the Aussie. And Paulie says, hey, Ross, we're playing with Min Woo. Fantastic. How good's that? Who, you know, it's a money-can't-buy experience. So I'm sidled up alongside Min Woo Lee at the Australian, and that was just a, you know, mesmerising experience. So what's the young lad pipe this majestic and now, you know, in folklore, two iron, 295, 315 yards all day long. Hardly hit the driver. Didn't hit, didn't hit many drivers at all, but he just, whether it was stinger, high cut, high draw, he was just doing anything with this two iron at the Aussie. So I spent 
four or five hours on course with Min Woo and it was fantastic. He stayed at the end, you know, did all the right things. Lovely, laconic young fellow. We've talked about him before. Wished him all the best for the coming season. Told him, you know, look forward to watching him. It's just a matter of time, mate. You know, gave him the plus 40 sort of, you know, insights into the ways of the world. We come down to the Vic Open. Who's the winner? Another one of my playing partners. There you go. So that's two from two. Two Pro-Ams, two winners on the European Tour. So my playing partner last week in the Pro-Am on Wednesday, and this was the contrasting polar opposite to my experience with George Campbell, was with Wade Ormsby. Yeah, he's a good dude. Well, couldn't... So he he must be odds on to be then... Punching out a win in the next three or four weeks, then should, should just get I, on him. I don't care if it's three or four weeks. He's got the rest of the year to, to do it, but I would be having you know a couple of dollars on Wade Ormsby to pick up something in the European Tour this year, based on the form lines of playing partners of me in pro ams. Wade Ormsby has to be figuring in those odds. Now that aside, he has already won this year on tour in the Asian Tour. He won in Hong Kong, which is an event he's won. Uh, previously, so he's just he was just fresh off that, so he's pretty he was pretty buoyant. Um, a lot of congratulations coming his way from the people that were sort of milling around, wanting to get a look at uh, at Wade's play. But just a contrast, you know, he turned up on the tee, he was there before us. Uh, we didn't have to wait, and it was just handshakes, how you going, and just chat all day. Nothing was an issue. Answered any question. Gave us a little look at the videos that he and his coach were looking at. Uh, gave me a flick through his tour book. Explained how to work that all. It's uh, another. It's a mathematic. You almost need to be a mathematical genius to 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 look at those tour books and look work out what all the numbers were. But he explained all that very clearly. And uh, and we actually had a bit in common. We, you know, we knew some people in common from uh, Adelaide. He still lives in Adelaide, so he flies in and out of Adelaide. He's got family over there, and uh, it was a really 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 good uh, experience. And and. It's, I'm blessed to be able to hang out and play around a golf with guys like that. So I'm very lucky, and I'm, I'm not being flippant about it. It, it is, it is luck more than uh, anything else. But um, Wade Ormsby was a really, really. So if he, he pulls out a victory early in the season, we're um, going to have to bottle it up. Roscoe's victory mustard. Yeah. Come and get it. Come well, and get a professional. Whack that on your snags. A victory will be uh, yours. Look, if anyone does listen to this, there's probably a couple of events that I would like to nominate availability for, you know, like, and I don't want to be too greedy about it either, like, but the, I've played at Renaissance before, so the Scottish Open, you know, it's my backyard, my second backyard, I have had form around the uh, the Renaissance uh, track in uh, East Lothian, so, you know, I might have something to add there. Um <laughs> Yeah, the Jew, the Dubai duty, duty free Irish Open. You know, I, I know my way around, and I can you know understand a little bit of the uh, the Irish brogue. So I probably done your links. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can get myself there. That's easy. That's no problem. Accommodation's covered, so I'm available for that one. Um, <laughs> but you know, geez, these guys, you know, they'll take uh, they'll take odds on on any little bit of secret sauce, and you know, there you go. There's two from two. But, well, and then maybe that's a segue into you know. Next year, you might get a gig at the uh, the phone booth pro am. <laughs> well, 
I think we're a few years away from and a few podcasts and a few listeners away from uh, anything along those lines. Maybe a few world championships, a few gold rings, a few medallions, a few uh, Oscars, a few Grammys um, away from anything like that, Rocket. But I, I like your thinking, mate. I like your thinking. So what our guy Rocket is referring to, the phone booth, is the AT&T Pro-Am at Pebble Beach, which was on obviously last weekend and just concluded. Yep. So... The themes, the names that we're coming up with here, Rocket, it's becoming a thing of folklore. People are <laughs> commenting directly to me. I love Rocket. Who, you know, it's not. It's, it's gone I to. I think they were probably looking at uh, what I posted. Um, you know, when I said um, Princess Peach was leading the yeah. uh, tournament, they're probably thinking, "Who, who the, is he talking who about?" The flops that. Well, it's gone from the feedback's now gone from. Uh, I like Rocket. Who is he? Where did he come from? Where did you find him? To now, <laughs> to now, has Rocket got any more names? You know, because the names that he does have are classics, and uh, and I want more. So we had the winner of yep. the phone booth classic, and you can write that Princess down. Peach. Princess Peach. I didn't get it, yep. but I'm not that clever, Rocket. So Princess Peach. Why did uh, what was the chap's name? Sorry, I'm thinking. Oh, even Nick, I want to call him Princess uh, Nick, Peach. Now. Nick Taylor. Nick Taylor, He's the Canadian. Canadian. Yep. And uh, on his bio, he's a self-confessed, reckons he's the best Super Mario Kart player in the world. So why Princess Peach? Because he's got blonde hair? Princess Peach is a character in um, Super Mario. Yeah, I know, I know that much. Like, I haven't played Princess, uh, I haven't played Super Mario, but I know, I know, I'm smart enough to know that. But why Princess Peach? Why not one of the other characters? Oh, I thought I'd go with Princess Peach. I could have, I could have gone Luigi or Mario or Lu- or um, uh, Yoshi, mm-hmm. or Dozer, um, but I thought Princess Peach. Princess Peach was just perfect, just perfect for him. Princess Peach just rolls off the tongue. Fair enough. Princess Peach. And like I said, so if it is late at night, you know, you won't get to see us recording this late at night, but that that's the work that Rocket's doing before he gets on the phone to record this late at night. He's probably reading a few Super Mario Kart uh, stories or playing a bit of that in – coercement of getting the triplets to bed on time. <laughs> so uh, he won. Who did he uh, – What was it? Was there anything outstanding about his win other than that it was a bit uh, a bit out of the um, blue? You, you know, he's, he's been a bit man, of a The man lefty was, 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 um, um, was definitely chasing Princess Peach down um, until oh, – Phil turned – I don't know what happened. It's like he's – he turned into – I don't even know how to describe it because he hit a terrible shot on eight. So he's laid up off the tee and it was a terrible layup. He left himself like a really long shot. He didn't need to lay it back that far. Then he's gone at the pin. He's blocked it left. Left himself just pretty much stone dead. He makes double. So he was kind of tied for the lead at that point. And then he makes double and then he just goes on this other, you know, bogey run. He plays the last sort of nine, ten holes in um, four, uh, another three over. So he's five over for his last ten holes. And Taylor just sort of just keeps plodding away, just fairways greens, makes some putts and ends up winning by a couple Mickelson missed a birdie putt on 
18, which would have got him back in the top 50, which would have got him an automatic start in the WGC. Um, but that was a bit of a shame, so he missed that one. So he finished third. Um, our man, Matty Jones, finished fifth. Good contingent up the top. Uh, Slow Day finished fourth. Char- um, Charlie Swartzel. What's that? Charlie Swartzel. T5 with uh, with Matt Jones and Daniel Berger oh. and uh, Wheelie McNeely and Lanto Griffin. Yeah, yeah, Matt McNeely played really well, which is good to see because he's back on the tour this year. Mm. Um, and then young Cam Davis finished tied 38th. Apart from that, it was quite okay. Although, I don't know. I usually love this event, um, but I don't know. Between the PGA Tour and CBS, they just do a really good job of just stuffing it up. I don't yeah. know how with the setting they've got. They just show so much rubbish. And, you know, for example, you know, had Phil Mickelson going through um, five, six, and seven, didn't see him hit one shot. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh. I'm, I'm and not- then you never get to see any stuff on Monterey. You never get to see any stuff on Spyglass. And there's only a limited amount of cameras they have on Pebble. And then, oh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm dumbfounded, dumbfounded with how they can just stuff it up. And it just kind of makes it really boring sometimes and just. Yeah. You know. Well, it's clearly part of the strategy to increase fan engagement by bringing the high profile, you know, top ends of sport, media, and entertainment together to play with the guys at such an iconic location. I just don't think that it works as well as, uh, as what maybe the people, uh, that are putting the tournament on, uh, think that it does work, you know? So, you know, if we're talking about fan engagement and we've talked about the Vic open and what they do to get people involved and the real people, the pe- the paying money people, the people that are out there, you know, playing the game and being part of it week in, week out versus the, you know, the beer hole, and uh, and what the well they don't they don't have as many of the celebrities as what they used to because that's what it started out you know originally was the the Bing Crosby clambake mm. uh, and it evolved as an event and it's become this massive event but you know three quarters of the field are filled filled with you know titans of industry and business that people in the crowd wouldn't even know who they are. They're probably looking and going, who's this guy? There's some dude from the crowd stolen someone's clubs. Someone's stolen Ray Romano's clubs. And there's only a certain amount of celebrities. Mm. And then the ones that do play, some of them are a wee bit boring. I'm not going to do do the story justice, but Alistair Presnell, remember, remember the Prez? Yep. So when the Prez was on tour, uh, he played in the eight in whatever it was called that pro am uh, back in the day. And Prez is a massive Tigers fan, and he was playing with one of the captains of industry, uh, one of the team owners. Now I, I can't remember the name of the team, and I'm not going to do the story justice, but it was a black and gold team. It might have been the Bruins or something to do with the Bruins, black and gold. You know your American sports rocket at the Bruins. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So he's playing with the owner of the Bruins. And he's got a black and gold bag. And Prez comes along and goes, Tigers. 
And he goes, Bruins. He goes, not Tigers. <laughs> and <laughs> and basically the owner of the Bruins just cracks the sads and doesn't talk to him for the rest of the day because he, he didn't get the gist of where, where Prez was coming from, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a, that's the Tigers' colour. I love the Tigers. And he's just like, no, it's Bruins, and don't even mention the Tigers. No, I don't even know who the Tigers are, what relevance they are, are in, in American sport. But he just didn't get it and then just burnt the Prez for the rest of the day and didn't talk to him ever again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I probably didn't do that story very ju- justice. But anyway, there's, there's my little bit of added value from uh, the tour from the Prez. <laughs> uh, and also, quite funny, but at the same time, Prez has probably sort of burned himself for any sort of free tickets to, to, the, uh, to the Bruins. Yeah, some I'd, hockey games if you ever wanted to go to them. Uh, just on a side note, one of the nicest guys you'll ever ever get to uh, play alongside. Still plays club golf down here at the National, and uh, no, he's he's a he is absolute gent. Uh, is the Prez, and uh, I've only played with him once, but um, he was uh, he's a good good fella, good friend of Michael Froney too. Hey, um, so then we're moving to the Genesis this week, and then the WGC the following week. That's correct, isn't it, yep. Rocket? I've got my form guide right. Excellent, excellent field this weekend for the Genesis in uh, Riviera Country Club in LA. Formerly known as the uh, Los Angeles Open, it's not anymore. The women have the true Los Angeles Open. I think it's being played at Wilshire Club again, hopefully. You're a fan, you're a fan of the Wilshire? Uh... Oh, I'm a massive fan. So do you want to talk Although about Although Riviera is pretty good. Although don't know why they just dropped the LA Open thing. Uh, Again, it's a PGA Tour thing. I'm going to be in my bonnet. I want you to come back one day and talk us uh, through Mac O'Grady, former winner of the LA Open uh, rocket, and I want, to, I want you to give us a dissertation on why Mac O'Grady was so special. I've got a little connection to Mac O'Grady, but uh, one day let's not leave it for let's leave it for another time. But we'll bring back the Mac O'Grady story another day. So this uh, this week's field, I'm just bringing it up. It's it's a world 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 class field, yeah. Everyone from Tiger to Cheetah. <laughs> oh dear. Do you like that? Yeah, well. <laughs> I do I do like it like cuz I have a belly laugh, but I don't like that we keep talking about it and you know it just he I, I don't uh, like, I don't yeah. like that it's happening it's a blight on the game, but anyway, it is what it is and we can only just have some fun. So with, fun with Jay it. Rose got roars. Um lefty Tiger, um, I think DJ's playing. DJ, Leash, um, Cantlay, Nah, Duffner, yeah. Kepka, Watson, Mickelson, Chapel, Shoffley, Casey. It's my man Brooks playing. Yep. Oh, 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 oh. giddy up. Rusty Knox. Giddy up. My man, my man Rusty Knox is, is, is waving the fake Scottish flag because he really is American. But, uh, no, he's, he's waving the fake Scottish flag and, uh, uh, Martin Laird, another uh, another another. Uh, Sung M's playing. That's good. Danny Lee from New Zealand. Uh, Spanish, um, Abraham Bubba. Abraham Anza. Strangely enough, two-time winner of the uh, the uh, formerly LA Open. Did I give you my little bit of snippet of information that I got, gathered at the President's Cup about Abe Anza? Did I talk about that previously? Uh, fire away. Well, Abe Answer is from a small town just on the, obviously, Mexican side of the Mexican-American border. He was actually born in Texas. 
There you go. I'm pretty. I'm sure that's probably on his Wikipedia. But someone told me that uh, who is a fan, yeah. as a follower and a friend of uh, Abe Anser, who was out here with him. But he said no, he's actually born in Texas, and I just found that quite interesting. But anyway, whatever. I can hmm. tell you. I can tell you. Impressed, Rocket. Might it might edit this part out. <laughs> um. So, what are your tips? What are your tips for the Riviera Genesis Open? Uh. I think my smoky. I actually like the form of Max Homer at the moment. Right. So he's been up in floating around top 10, top 15 for the last few events. Mm-hmm. Um, and because his wife said to him, any chance of you finishing not tied for 40th again? <laughs> so he's got some pressure. That's quite funny. Um, and then who else? I know Rose has played well there. Adam Scott usually sort of performs well there. Aaron Badley's a bit of a Riviera man. Yeah. Uh, old .com, he's, it's not the same. No, just, he likes he likes it, but he likes Riviera. He, play, he usually plays pretty good there. Um, he's probably worried about baby number six about to arrive. Okay, so who's, who are you picking? Who's your pick, number one? Number one. Um, hmm. I'm just looking at my peeps. Get my flag. Um, when you- so I'm going to go a bit. Of, I'm going to go some lefty. Going to go my lefty as my pick. And Max Homer is me smoky. You're not picking Brooks. No, it's his first event back. Yeah, but he's just warming up. It's it, not a major. Yeah, okay. Practice it's a practice round. Is there a wedding on? Mm. Yeah, you, you've got no <laughs> mail you've got no mail there's a I wedding. Haven't, I haven't have maybe we'll have to look over look over the weekend to see if uh his girlfriend's at a wedding at or a anything wedding? like yeah, that. Okay. So I don't think he normally plays this event, so maybe there is a wedding on somewhere. <laughs> once, once again, uh, if you want stats and fairways hit and all of that sort of stuff, there are plenty of podcasts that will give you that. But if you want Rocket's interpretation of how Brooks Kepka defines his schedule, you will know that he did investigative work to determine that when, he, when there is a wedding that he has been invited to with his partner – his partner attends a wedding and he plays golf. Pretty much. He was the best man at a wedding and played golf. There you go. Sent a video message. <laughs> <laughs> so there must be a wedding on if Brooks is playing. Uh, okay. Yeah, must be. So you're going with lefty. Uh, I don't know yeah. who I'll go with. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, a non-American. I'm going to go with Rory. Ooh. Well, he is the number Mr. Number One player in the world. Still can't win a major, but he's number one in the world. Oh, I do see. I'm probably probably chucked that in there just uh, just to give you a bit of a wind up there, Rocket, because I know you love Anakin McElroy. Anakin McElroy. I'm going to go with Rory because I reckon uh, I reckon he's 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 going to he'll play well. Obviously, by the fact that I think he's going to win, he will play well. So, Rocket, there's this report thing that came out. 
uh, last week from a combination report, the RNA and the USGA, that has said, and phew, the ball's going too far and uh, technology is uh, limiting the game, putting pressure on golf courses, putting pressure on uh, everything to do with the enjoyment of the game and we're turning into people who we don't want to be. Who would have mm-hmm. ever, who would, can you believe it? Like, really? Oh, I can't believe they said it. But seriously, like, you know, as if, as if we didn't already know all this stuff. And, you know, so the nub of this distance report, which they've done every few years for a while now, and, and they've been recording distance gains since, you know, basically uh, Willie Park was, you know, sailing across the Forth of Firth. That the ball is going too far and technology in clubs is helping the ball go too far by making it allowing the better players, now we're talking the top end, to be able to hit it too far, which is therefore putting pressure on the golf courses that we all know and love, you know, the ones that were, you know, once again given birth to when Willie Park was sailing across the fourth of Firth to go and you know, you know, pick a fight with Tom Morris. It's putting pressure on these places and, and turning them into courses that aren't relevant in the professional game. So they don't have a solution, but they're committed to developing solutions to make the game more appealing to what the intent was back in the day when we had to play shots and fashion the ball and play the ground game and not bomb and gouge it and all of this stuff. So stuff that people have been talking about for years, you know, and yeah, it makes forever. it makes perfect sense. And if you listen to the Twitter spheres and all of the other kerfuffle that goes on around it, you know, there's the players have been very outspoken, some for and some against. I don't think it affects people like you and me, Rocket, you know, like we're still going to be hitting our 460cc Sims, Mavericks, G410s or whatever it is we choose to go with a Pro V1, TP5, Z Stars that are, you know, five-piece, four-piece, two-piece, three-piece, urethane or whatever. But it's more about what's happening at the guys that we were just talking about. Now, that is a viewpoint that I support change for. And I've been open about that. And I don't think that it will have any impact on you know, a business like a golf shop like mine. I'm still going to sell a ton of golf balls and a ton of new product. But if the guys that are playing professionally have to roll back some of the tech to make the ball go a relatively strong distance but make the value of their shots and their shot selection more relevant, that's got to be a good thing for the game and the game that we watch on TV um, potentially in the future versus what we watch now. What do you think, Rocket? Uh, it's quite simple, really. Um, the technology that exists, they don't play the same golf balls that we buy in the shop. They don't play the same clubs that we buy in the shop. So what we're asking for is for them to be the technology to be changed so as to um, maintain the integrity of the game and to ensure that it is healthy for the generations to come. 
and not for the people that are making millions of dollars, you know, as it is. I've already heard someone going, uh, why are a bunch of amateurs telling us what the rules are? I'm sorry, Sunshine, this bunch of amateurs also protect the game, which in turn, we're the people that also then watch a lot of this stuff and we support you and we fund you by our eyeballs watching the best players play. So I think these big guys need to remember that. Um, and just rolling back the technology is important because it's it, it's it's not it's not about us being the same or anything like that because you know unless you're swinging at 115 120 miles per hour you're not going to get the advantage of some of these bigger head drivers right so it's really not going to make a lot of difference to the average Joe on the street. But what is going to happen if golf continues on the path and the trajectory that it's on is that it will become more and more boring. That's the problem. There is no strategy. It's bomb and gouge. You know, I've already seen Brandall, who kind of two days into the report came around and now he's gone into this, I don't know, he's like a distance denialist again and he's worse for it. Like some of his analogies are just ridiculous. Um, and his concept, and I've seen him do this before, is it's like narrow the fairways and grow the rough. Like how is that good for the game? That's not how golf is intended to be. That's not how St. Andrews is. Like the, the biggest, the most fun and the most atmosphere and the, the um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'll think of it in a minute. But you think of President's Cup, Royal Melbourne. It's not about rough, it's about mm. strategy. Mm. Game is about testing the players about with wind, firmness, and strategy. Can they put their golf ball in the right positions to give themselves the best opportunity to either make par or shoot low scores? If you just have narrow fairways and rough, that's you're just trying to hit it straight, and then if you're in the rough, you chuck it out. And it's not about strategy. There's no. It's like it's you're rendering what the courses, what golf courses are built for. They're built for strategy. Like there's a certain way to play certain holes based on where the pin is or where the wind is. Yeah, that's what golf is all about. That's what is fun. That's what makes. That is what I enjoy about golf. Like I don't want to watch someone bomb and gouge. I've got a U.S. Open for that. I love that carnage, but that's once a year. And if you're going to put something on TV, I want to see the best golfers in the world tested. I want to see someone that as can hit multiple shots, different shots. That's 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 all I want to see. And that's what all the average punter wants to see. Us seeing someone hit it 330 yards down the middle of the fairway and it, and it lands and it doesn't roll and then they grab a nine iron and they hit it 160 yards to four feet and roll a putt in. Oh, my God, please, like, make it more boring. That's what it is right now. It's more boring. PGA Tour have created a monster, and and it's just, it's just, oh, it's, it's, I struggle. I really struggle with some, the courses are terrible. Some of the courses that they can only play because of the distance required to try and test the golfers are the stadium courses to allow for crowds, but, the classic courses that are not 7,500 yards or 7,200 yards 
And the PGA Tour don't like to have anything firm and fast. You know, we've already seen that they've taken the, um, uh, the AT&T that's down, at, um, down in Dallas, they've taken away from Trinity Forest because the players complained about the course being too firm and too fast and bouncy. Uh, this is a problem. You know, we leave, leave the game in the hands of the professionals and they are only going to think about themselves. In the racehorse of life, always bet on self-interest and the professionals are building on self-interest. It's not about looking after the game. They're not custodians of the game. They don't care. Oh, I should take a breath. Yeah, well, well said, mate. And uh, so that you've covered off what the report is trying to uh, suggest that it needs to address. And, you know, you can download the report. Just go to the RNA website. You can see the report there. If you ever wanted to get, I guess, an insight into the gist of what our vision is, jump onto the computer, go to YouTube, and just Google Seve Ballesteros. Oh, perfect. And watch Seve Ballesteros golf his ball all around the course, sometimes on the fairway, but a lot of the time from two fairways wide, making birdies after birdies from places that you've never seen, making the ball bend and spin like you've never seen. And he was one of the most unbelievable guys to watch. He was one of the people that inspired me to play golf. And and that's what you he pretend- put. He put bums on seats and, and, and turned, had the turnstiles clicking. So, when you know, the byproduct of watching that footage is you'll see the amount of people that were watching him. And it, it was almost Tiger-esque. You know, Seve Ballesteros was Tiger-esque. People just wanted to see him do things that were unbelievable. Now, he didn't hit the ball phenomenally, you know, obviously not straighter than anyone else because he hit it all over the park because that was just the nature of his flair. But he was just a really skillful go- golfer and he could make the ball do whatever he wanted. So that's what Rocket's Imagination. Sort of, Rocket's talking, imagination. He's one of the most amazing golfers on the planet. So, and... He was just an absolute joy to watch. And they're the people that you want to see play. Like even Lefty. That's why I love Lefty. Lefty's not the straightest person. He hits no. all over the shop. Yep. But he has an imagination and he hits it. Hits amazing shots. And they fly by the seat of their pants. So sometimes they lose tournaments because of their flair and their willingness to just go for shots because they just love to challenge themselves and go, oh, there's a there's a three-foot window inside that, in the middle of that tree that I have to hit a four-iron through. Oh, yeah, I'm going to thread it through there and try and knock it on the green. That, that, they would look at that and go, yeah, I'm going to have a crack at that. Yeah. But so. but, but that even goes for the hitting from the fairway. It's like, you know, still today, Tiger Woods is still the arguably the best iron player on the planet. Um, and the reason why he he did so well at Royal Melbourne is because he knows how to hit all shots, high, low, draw, fade, you know, the nine, the nine spaces in a, in a, in a window. And he strategy comes into play because you're playing a course. It's firm and fast. It's not about how long you hit. It's actually about where you hit it. And that's it. And, and here's the problem with the game. Here's the other problem, is that unless you are really long, the people that win 
it's rarely do you find the person who's not a long hitter winning. And that's the thing. It's, we don't have a good mix of people that are contending and performing um, and really good, talented people that aren't long hitters are almost rendered. Like it's almost like their career just ends. Their career just ends. And I know he, sometimes he can be a bit of a jokey guy, <clears throat> but um, Andy Johnson, circa shotgun start, fried egg, he's done a lot of research on a lot of players and transitioned their rise and fall of their career based on when particular balls were released in the 2000s. Mm. Because they weren't able to hit certain shots anymore, and all of a sudden, other people were able to hit sh- hit certain shots or make it easy to hit certain hit shots. Certain shots, yeah, yeah. Look, the, it's called bifurcation. You know, one rule for the pros, one rule for amateurs. It's not going to change. You know, the, the equipment manufacturers have to get their heads around what that looks like. It's not going to change how many golf balls or tees, gloves clubs that they sell. Well, here's the thing. The argument that it's going to be a financial disaster for the manufacturers is complete hogwash yeah. because they set, they don't, the professionals aren't buying golf balls. They get their balls given to them yeah. or they're on sponsorship deals. So how about you just protect the game because your actual economic viability is making sure there's more other people coming up and falling in love with the game because it's attractive, it's entertaining and there's more variety that can relate to different people um, that, that, that drag people into the game. And that's where you're going to you know, continue to grow the game and continue to sell more equipment and continue to innovate for, you know, for the average Joe. Rocketman, I think... I think I think yeah. I think we've made our point pretty clear on, on where we stand. But go and have a look yeah. at that report. Um, you know, in closing on that, there are other sports that have changed rules in order to increase parity or bring parity back to the you know make the sport more even across um, you know the teams and the individuals. Probably the biggest one that I always gravitate back towards is Formula One. Always tinkering with the rules to try and make a better product. If something, if someone gets a, an advantage, you know, they look at changing the rules, you know, the tie, you know, the time and the tie rules are sort of somewhat similar to the ball, ball rules, the engine performance rules, uh, you know, the aerodynamic rules. So they're trying to make it even so it brings the teams with money closer to the teams without money. It brings the drivers with not as much skill closer to the drivers with the most skill to have a better product. So when you turn it on your box at circadian rhythm hour on a Sunday night, that it's watchable. Now, does it always work? No, but when it doesn't work, they change. Now, Formula One is a big behemoth and it's owned by an owner and it's not owned by, you know, ancient associations that have history long entrenched in the game you know, across both sides of the globe. So I get that, but it is possible. And there was another point that I was going to make. Um, you know, tennis is another another game that changed the balls to, to increase, uh, to slow it down and, and things like that. We're running out of time, Rocket, but one thing that you don't know, what you, you do know is next Sunday we're going to play with the guys who in Australia are probably the leaders in championing this rollback co- um, cause. Rollback Alliance, you can get them on Twitter, Instagram, 
a couple of guys that we know. Well, they're putting an event on specifically uh, using old balls. So 19, was it 1980s balls that we're using or 1990s? Or, you know, uh, I, think, uh, I think they're rolling out the MaxFly HT90s. Yep. So, so ten clubs, circa, circa ninety two to ninety four. They're probably my favourite rocks. Twelve, or, uh, the, the the rocks that Rocket used to roll with. So we're playing with old balls, ten clubs, sub three hundred cc drivers around a pretty uh, world class course next Sunday. Now the thing that you don't know, Rocket and Maddie is very happy that you are coming. By the way, we're bringing the recording gear. We're recording live. <laughs> we're recording. <laughs> We're recording live, so we, we don't know. I don't know what that's going to take the shape shape of. You know, probably an interview with Maddie, but also some of the other guys there that are experiencing golf this way. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we're down at the Southerly Buster, so that's going to be a bit of fun. Um, the other thing, Rocket, just in closing, because we've been going for over an hour now, and uh, we've passed my bedtime. We we forgot to mention that the uh, the girls at Vic uh, Vic Open down at Thirteen Beach uh, put on a fabulous show. Um, three hole, three hole playoff to determine the winner. He Young Park um, defeated uh, Hai Jin Choi and So Yon Ru. So Yon Ru, obviously the 2011 Women's US Open winner. So a class young field there of uh, great young ladies. The ladies, the the men love playing alongside the ladies. I'll tell you that myself. Spoke to a lot of the pros and they love having the mixed field. They love watching the girls grind on the practice fairway, you know, hitting heaps of balls, practicing their putting, and they just the it was a very, very good vibe. So congrats to the girls for putting on such a equally as impressive show as the men. Sorry we didn't cover that off. The other thing that we didn't cover off when we talked about the Vic Open phrase, well done to you. Uh, T four, you know, what a a contrast that was, you know, talking about the future of Australian golf in minimally just hitting the ball a long way and, and playing an absolute blinder in those conditions. You know, if there's anyone that's a high-speed, high-spin player, it's him. So he to control in that wind that was there is great. But for Fraze, you know, equally, not the longest, you know, he's, he's in the plus 40 category now, jumped off tour, looking at coming back and making a few limited starts, jumps into a European tour event where he's got provisional status, and uh, finishes T4 under the card and just bolted it down the middle. It was a, it was a great performance. I know speaking to Jamie because you know he's working with Jamie now. He was very 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 happy with his result there, and he's, it was a, a great to see uh, the PK cap. A lot of people commented to me that they saw PK on his cap. So he's obviously our, our tour guy, and uh, that was a great result phrase for you, Foxy. That was a good result for you. That round in the last was fantastic. So mate, uh, I think. I think that's about it. I'm looking forward to next Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing you golf your little HT Max Fly. I'm pulling out the Billy Dunk ball on the par threes because I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to risk losing the Billy Dunk uh, Max Fly Bellata that I have on my bedside table as my permanent reminder of Billy Dunk uh, and the lesson that he gave me when I was a kid. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you, and we're bringing the recording gear. And uh, I don't know, I don't know what we're doing, but I'm bringing the camera, I'm bringing the recording gear, and we'll just talk to some people using some old gear. Mike Ferroni's bringing. Uh, Mike Ferroni has more old clubs than you've ever seen. You know, Ram Tour, <laughs> Ram Tour grinds, Tour editions, uh, more persimmon block drivers than you know you can fit in a garden shed. It's unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Mike Ferroni brings down. Uh, Chris Day is coming back across from America to play in the event. 
there's bound to be some interesting people down there, Rocket. So I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with you down there on Sunday, buddy. No, it's going to be fun. And um, I know we spent a lot of time on the on the distance stuff. So um, can we park the uh, the World Golf Tour stuff for the next session? Because I've got plenty more to say about that. Yes, and that's where I was going before World Golf Tour. So the uh, Formula One, you know, they do their they write their own song. I, I see some alignments to what this World Golf Tour organization are trying to propose. I don't think it's going to get any weight. But what I want you to do, Rocket, is to come up with a European tour, PGA tour combination, a combined tour, which I think is the way forward, a global tour using both those two entities, and I want you to map out your version of the tour stops using the best of the European, the best of the US, and come up with the Rocket Road to Dubai. I'll, 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 give, I'll come up with a name for a trophy. Come up with a trophy and come up with the tour stops and we're going to share the tour stops with you because I reckon that would be worth seeing. The best of Europe, the best of America, that's what we want. Don't give us bloody reports on the balls going too far from the USG and RNA. Get your shit together and get together and make a tour where we're going to see the best golf and the best players every weekend. They jet around the world as it is. Anyway. That's an hour and 10 minutes. We sat here before going, what are we talking about tonight? And we thought we'd be going for about 20 minutes and here we are rabbiting on. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate that. Uh, I know you love hearing from the Rocket Man. He's back and we'll hear from him again in a week or so. Rocket, that's it from me. Anything from you? Uh, no. I'll, no, I'll take that as a no. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the My Love of Golf podcast. Look forward to catching up with you.